The Rocket Review, a streaming video podcast where consenting adults discuss sex, kink and BDSM, sexual health, sex work, and the adult entertainment industries. While our conversations are created to build understanding and share valuable information, not all views expressed reflect those of the producers, hosts, or sponsors. The Rocket Review is intended for mature audiences only. Hey, gang, I'm joined all the way from Colorado today with Derek Stone. How's it going? Wonderful down here in Flagstaff. How's it up there? Great, great. Uh, It's a, you know, normal summer. Normal summer for us? Yeah, Yeah. in the mountains. It's like it can be chilly, it could be warm, it could be a mixed bag because we're in the mountains. (laughs) I'm sorry, I cut cut off your your wonderful intro there. I didn't mean to. Oh, no, not at all, not at all. (laughs) You're so sweet. Derek, you are a professional entertainer, a professional athlete, an openly gay man, and we're going to tie all that together. Uh, Tell us, share with us your profession real quick. I am a uh, professional wrestler, and I've been doing that since I was 19 years old, so a long time. A long time. I was about to ask, how long now have you worked in professional wrestling? But we've established you've worked in it for a very long time. A long time. Three decades. How long? How long have you been out openly in the profession? Uh, in the profession itself, probably only maybe the last maybe five, six years or so. Uh, before that, I was out in my personal life, uh, um, out to my family and, and uh, you know, a long time ago. Uh, but it was just never something that I, I never really mixed. And I think that that's just one of those things that, you know, uh, my dad had an expression a long time ago, don't shit where you eat, you know? So, uh, you know, myself, my brothers, my sister, like never date anybody at work, never bring that right. stuff to work. And, uh, so it just never did. So, uh, my sexuality in a lot of ways didn't necessarily affect, you know, uh, my profession as much, even ex- except for, I mean, obviously, being quiet about who you are and all those things can can damage you after a while. But, uh, yeah. So I would say kind of various stages. I think what, like a lot of people of coming out, you know, it's, uh, we have talked about this on the show. Uh, we come out, especially queer folks, queer kinky folks, especially we come out multiple times to multiple people in multiple ways over the course of our lives. And so coming out professionally is, uh, something some people never do they never bring their personal life into their professional life. Yeah. Some do it very late. Some do it very early. Again, some never do it at all. Uh, kudos to you for doing it in a, in a professional setting, like professional wrestling, where visibility of being a gay man in professional wrestling uh, uh, has a bit of stature. Like it just kind of lends itself to a, a natural bit of, of, of you being who you are in a sport that isn't always been historically really friendly to the LGBTQIA construct, you know, right. nowadays, nowadays, not so much. Cause I think you're one of several openly uh, queer Absolutely. performers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in fact, you know, I, I work for a, a small promotion here. Who's, who's fantastic. They're on like uh, the Twitch app and they do a lot of paper. I mean, they run probably, probably 200, maybe 150 shows a year, which is a lot for a smaller organization. And, and their locker room, I would say is very queer. I mean, it's not just me. There's, there's trans, uh, transgender folks, there's other gay men, there's uh, lesbians, you know, and, and uh, that is something that even five to seven years ago was unheard of. 
True and yet here I have a whole lot. And, and, you know, and the great thing about it, nobody cares. You know what I mean? It's not really one of those things that, you know, it's, oh, I'm not going to work with that guy or I'm not going to work with her or this or that. It, it just, it's, you know, everybody there is professional and you're on, you know, your mind is on business, you know, and making money and, and getting your, you know, for these guys, they're a lot of real young guys. So they're trying to get exposure. They're trying to make that things to the next level, you know? So, Build so that that's all up. that, yeah, that's all anybody cares about. And not, to me, that's equality, you know? I, I, I agree. I agree. When everyone's keep, you know, keeping an eye on, uh, uh the business line, especially in business and no yeah. one's bringing their own biases to that table. No, I, I, I always appreciate that. You and I are from a different era of activism. We're from a different mm-hmm. era of gay men. We're going to get to into more of that here in, in the second part. I wanted to get to know more. What, what about professional wrestling has just kept your fire going all this time? Talk to us about yeah. the profession. You know, it's a, it's one of those things that as a, as a young kid, I mean, I knew that I was going to do this or at least attempt it from the time, as far as I can remember, three years old, four years old. Uh, we used to watch the AWA, which one of their big hubs was here in Denver. Uh, so we watched them every Sunday morning. And this is, you know, years before Monday Night Raw and all that. So, so right, you know, right, right. Uh, I, and it was just one of those things that I always knew I was going to give it a try. And then the minute that I actually, I mean, it took a long time, you know, back in, when I started. so. Uh, early nineties, the business still kind of wanted to keep everybody out. You know what I mean? You really had to earn your spot, gay, straight, black, white, whatever you had to show your chops and you, you know, and nowadays mm-hmm. there's wrestling schools on every corner and it's, you know, it went through this big, the big boom in the nineties. And so everybody opened up a school and this and that, and, you know, but back in the day it was, it was tough, you know? So, uh, but it, the, the minute I got into the ring, the very first time, and I took a, a bump, you know, so I just fell back. That was kind of the audition process. Okay, this is what it was like. And it hurt like hell. And I felt horrible. But I knew I was going to do this for the rest of my life, too. So it was, it was one of those weird things, you know. Um, and it's just, you know, I'm to the point now where I wouldn't still be doing that. I mean, the money's good. And, I, and I'm at a point where I'm comfortable with what I make and, and all of those things. But if it wasn't fun for me, I wouldn't do it. Right. You know, and I'm still having a good time. It's still like, you know, there's something about the, the over, just the over the topness of everything. I always tell people like, look, if, if you're a, a, somebody who's new to pro wrestling, but say you've been to drag shows, you should go to a pro wrestling show Absolutely. and vice versa. If you're a pro wrestling fan and you've never been to a drag show, you should go because mm-hmm. you're going to like it. There's, it's, it, there's a, there's a, just a similar sort of energy or, you know, there's something about it that is just that you're for whatever time you're transported into a different world with different rules and different things are going on. And it's just a lot of fun. You know, uh, I tell people too sometimes go to a wrestling show and you just watch the crowd. That's almost oh, as fun as what's going on in the ring. You know, it's just great. You know? Agreed. Agreed. I've been a fan off and on for years of professional wrestling. I recognize it for the athleticism and the pure amount of, of uh, uh, showmanship that goes into it. Not to mention the costumes over the years have been just fucking fabulous. Yeah, I mean, for sure. where, where else do we see grown men with, you know, an extra 150 pounds of muscle on walking around in Marabou? 
Like yeah, where, sure. <laughs> where else do we find this? Just nowhere. For nowhere sure. Else. For sure. Nowhere else do we find this. Uh, uh, the women, the men uh, of wrestling are amazing athletes, amazing performers. Uh, someone likened this to uh, a higher end, like Cirque du Soleil level performance art where these are, these athletes, they work daily. They practice daily. You guys work out regularly with each other to make sure that these amazing moves you all pull off don't actually hurt each other in in the you know ways that some might assume and and could could very easily you know, it's, yeah it's it's definitely uh it's one of those things where everybody's got to go to go uh wrestle somewhere else tomorrow so you want to make sure everybody makes it there you know what i mean and it's uh it's you know you're you're making money and, and then there's there's like stay away from somebody's face. They don't want to show up the next day on TV and they're all screwed up. You know, that's, that's costing somebody money. So, you know, that stuff's pretty cool. I would say pro wrestling and pro wrestlers in general, and some of the real good ones are the best one take performers in the world. The only thing that I could think of that would be similar in a lot of ways is like a stand up comic who is just real sharp on the uptake with, with uh, hecklers and just boom, being right there. You know, I know, I know guys that are great talkers and you could just go out and say, Hey, just do this and no prep time, no nothing. Oh, okay. And we just go out and we do it. And, and, uh, you don't see that in a lot of places, you know? No, you don't. Many of the moves you guys, you know, use are, uh, uh, practiced, they're rehearsed, but they're not, but the combinations, what you guys do once you start a match, that's not like choreographed. You guys don't set that out. You know, you guys are, yeah, you're, you're making it up as you go along. It's, it's, it's an amazing amount of athletic performance and improv like all fused together uh, improv that requires you to learn ahead of time. Like you have to Absolutely. go to school for this. You don't just walk in and throw down your title card for your first right. match. You know? Right. You, right. Just, you just don't. Uh, Derek, what do you think is probably the biggest uh, 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 do, do you enjoy working with new folks coming into the industry? Is that kind of a turn on for you? Do you like coaching? Do you teach at all? Um, yeah, I would say that I do. I mean, there are, look, there are plenty of times like, like this, this past weekend, um, I wrestled seven times in two days cause I was doing a television taping and I'm worn out, you know? So, uh, in, in cases like that, I might, it might be kind of nice to work with somebody who's an experienced pro. Who's going to be like, this is going to be real easy. This is got I don't care. Even if we go 15, 20 minutes, it's not going to be a struggle and we're just go right through it. But in general, I would say, yeah, I, that's kind of my job in, in things. Now that's why I get booked. That's why I'm, I'm somewhere because I do have 30 years of experience uh, at a, at a high level uh, and have taught some, some greats and some world champions and people like that. So uh, it's, it's one of those things that I, I really enjoy it. I, I think like, you know, this is people did that for me when I started, you know what I mean? People that were just, Oh my God, this kid, it's just going to take forever for him to get any good. But then one day it happens, you know, and, uh, and I like that. So I, yeah, I'm pretty, I I'm real happy with that kind of situation in my life, you know, and see, and seeing somebody that, you know, they obviously they're going to make mistakes and things aren't good, but then they, you never see them make that mistake or you're, they, they're in that position, to have screwed up again and they don't and they learn from it and they get better. And yeah, I really like that. It's really cool. 
I talk regularly on the show about mentoring, uh, how you and I's generation of gay men got shafted in the AIDS crisis, uh, yeah. in the AIDS epidemic with a lot of our mentors and, and role models. They died. They weren't there yeah. uh, for us. And so I say a lot of times that many of many gay men in my generation and older are uh, sometimes struggling to be good role models because we didn't have many left to model ourselves after. And, and so it it left this weird deficit. Some of us are struggling with the concept of being a mentor now at this point in our lives. And, uh, and so I encourage, I encourage gay men at 40 plus to really lean into uh, opportunities to share, uh, share our history, our lived experience. We Took a big break for a while after we got marriage equality and we yeah. stopped we stopped pressing our history. And now we have situations where there's an entire generation of young gay men who don't even know what the AIDS quilt is. Right. Yeah. You know, we have yeah, we have a growing it blows me away. It blows it, me away. Honestly. It blew me away too, Mr. Stone. Blew me away as well. But but once I took a step back and looked at the bigger picture and realized. Oh no, it's on us. <laughs> it's right. totally on us. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very true. And, uh, there was a, there is, you're right that there was that attitude of, oh well, we won. No. And we took a break. Right. We yeah. didn't win. Was, we didn't win. We relax, didn't get it. You know, yeah, yeah. For sure. We didn't get it codified. Um, and now they're coming for it. Yeah, they are. Uh it's funny that you mentioned that about like the AIDS quilt. Um, so if you if you you put a link, I think, up to my Instagram page, and if you go and you look at some of my some of my uh wrestling singlets, you know, that that's part of a little bit of my activism is you know, I have one that has the Lombada symbol on it for gay liberation. I have one that has the pink triangle, I have the black triangle as well. And uh I oftentimes will have People say, uh, I mean, a lot of my other stuff is also superhero themed, right? So uh people will say, well, hey, what what superhero is that, that pink triangle? Is that the star sapphires from the, from the green lantern corp? And, and I'm like, uh, no. So here, let me tell And And it, it's, it's just an opportunity to educate people of like, this is what this is and you should pay attention to your history and you should go and check this out. And, and, uh, especially, uh, young queer wrestlers that I see and they'll mm-hmm. say, and they have no idea. And I think like, listen, this is something you really need to go check out, you know? And pay attention to the fact that all, a lot of these things that you think are horrible now uh, that happened in the 80s or 90s, uh, we kind try of thought the best, best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one, that's right. One, try to live through it. And then two, try to think about how that was the best we maybe some folks thought we were going to get. You know, I would have never thought we were going to get marriage equality, even though it's like the stupidest thing in the world. I don't know why anybody would not want people to be married. Like it's it's. I mean, you've got it's to a be no a brainer. Homo- it's a no yeah. brainer. I mean, you ever be a real homophobe to, to like be against something like that. It seems really weird to me, you know? Yeah. Legislating um, love, legislating love just feels gross to me. Let's not do yeah, that. Let's definitely. Not, let's not legislate <laughs> definitely. love. Yeah. Gross. Derek, you know, I'm, just- I'm lucky that I had, I'm sorry. And no, I, no, no, I'm lucky no, that I did have some people that were, uh, or were influential in, um, my education as a, as a, queer man to say you know you should pay attention to this and go hey go check this out and you know even even things like stonewall and all of that stuff there was a time when i didn't know that stuff and somebody had to say you need to pay attention to some of these things you know i was a very naive young gay man i was a very very young naive gay man i did not know a lot of the history uh, i knew nothing about trans issues whatsoever yeah. and in the 90s those were still even more 
uh, 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 closeted. I mean, they were still very shadowed and there was still a big stigma hanging over trans issues. Right. We were, we were just finishing adding the T to the LGBT, right. you know, back in my era. Uh, and so we, we were still young and, and figuring ourselves out and fighting. I mean, we were in a long fight. Derek, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about one of your, my singlet, one of the singlets, one of your singlets. That's my favorite. Okay. And that's that pink triangle singlet, but gang hang tight. We're going to take a short break and uh, hear from our friends over at DomCon. Mistress Cyan presents DomCon New Orleans, October 27th through the 30th. DomCon is North America's largest convention for professional and lifestyle BDSM enthusiasts. Got kink? DomCon provides the largest selection of kink and BDSM education to help you take your exploration to the next level. Need gear? DomCon has a curated and exceptional collection of vendors from the wide world of adult product manufacturers. DomCon is a COVID vaccination required event inside the historic Astor Crown Plaza Hotel in the heart of the French Quarter. Mistress Cyan presents DomCon New Orleans, October 27th through the 30th. Make your reservations today at domcon.com or email info at domcon.com. Hey, gang, we're back with Derek Stone joining us from Denver, Colorado today. Follow him on Instagram because he's got some really amazing pictures from work, as it were. Derek is a (laughs) professional wrestler of some note. You've been in the industry now years. Yeah. (laughs) And you You can say you can say it. I'm proud of it. 30 years. 30 years in uh, in any industry these days is a is a feat because it's not something we usually do anymore. Many people now have multiple careers yeah Uh, we we were talking there just before the break about activism and how we uh you and i we come from a different era of queer activism uh we had to uh do a lot of explaining and educating uh in in uh, our era this was this is pre-google this is pre uh you know unless you were walking around with a well-written pamphlet and you know trifold uh you couldn't just hand someone something and say here educate yourself Uh, right which which we find a lot now. I, I see there's a, there's a modern take on activism where that's, fuck you, I don't have to explain myself, you can Google it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gang, we need you to soften that up a little bit because we're we're having to be active again, and that requires us to start explaining ourselves to you a little bit. You know, Absolutely, I, yeah. You know, uh, being, a little more, uh, uh, being a little more available. Uh, to people who might want to become an ally, but don't know how. And, For sure. And That's exactly right. You know, and it's funny that you, you bring that up. Uh, to me, activism has always, it, it, it's almost useless if you don't make that human connection with somebody. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Look, you can go and you can, you can even Google stuff and you can look and you can say, oh, this happened to homosexuals and this happened to lesbians and this is this and this is this. But if you're not connected to, you know, in your mind, maybe if you're somebody who, you know, I have, I have a great friend of mine who grew up uh, in uh, rural South Dakota. He didn't he hadn't ever seen a black person in in person in, pub, you know, in life, uh, live right in life till he was 18 years old. And he didn't know, at least he didn't think that he knew a, a, a queer person until he was uh, in college in theater at 20. I mean, maybe he did, but at, 
they were in well, the closet. Say, that's about average you know? for most folks. There's a time and place. So, college. you know, so in his mind, and, and I and I think of people like that. Here's somebody who just hasn't been exposed to that. And you have an opportunity then as the activist to say, all this kind of things that you may think queer people are or do, or maybe you think somebody said one time that gay people are pedophiles. So you think that because you've never met somebody or you've never done this or that's, that's the whole point of talking and saying, I'm a, I'm a real person. I have a mother. I have a father. I have a stepdad. I have, you know, this, I'm a, I'm an uncle. Uh, I pay my taxes and you know, I'm just like you. And that's like, and these horrible things that happened to me, if people's biases were about against people with brown hair, they'd be happening to you. So it's, it's not good. Right. So I, I, that that has always bothered me with the, you know, even look, I've I've been doing some canvassing and, and you know, you know how being an activist is, Mm -hmm. it's a dirty job. Sometimes people tell you to fuck off or call you a faggot or just like, you know, and I don't know about you. It doesn't bother me, but if I hear it five times a day, it tends, you know, it might start to get to me. Starts to chip you know? away at the shielding. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank God that things aren't aren't nearly like that these days as maybe they used to be. But um, I, mean, I just think that that's the whole point of, of like just got to, you know, and, and showing people that we're that we're real people, real concerns. Uh, trans folks are real people. They aren't these weirdos made in a lab somewhere or the Democrats aren't, you know, making them as their own clone army or some shit, you know, like it's, you know, I've heard, I, I, I'm on all the social platforms. Well, not, not all. I'm on most of the big ones. And I, I routinely see some ridiculous stuff, stuff that makes me go, are you kidding? I, uh, stuff yeah. that gives me flashbacks to the, to the eighties, the kind of propaganda that we used to kind of hear about queer people, uh, uh, they're ramping that up again. They're they're yeah. ramping that up again. They're trying to make these uh, connections to pedophilia and things that don't right. they don't connect. They don't make any connection whatsoever. The the, the funny thing about that connection, I'm just gonna throw out a little stat here. Uh, pedophilia tends to be more heteronormative leaning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it tends to be more heteronormative leaning. So stop it. Uh, trying yes. to, stop trying to pin us in with, you know, it's not happening. And that's one, it's one of those things that I think that, uh, you know, people always talk about, about gaydar as, as a way of sensing other gay people. But I kind of think of gaydar as being like a way of sensing homophobia in a way, like, like I would hear something or hear a narrative that's out there. And I think, Oh, see, that's what they're trying. They're trying to, get that like you know like you just mentioned about pedophilia you know i remember a couple years back when the big thing was that the lgbtq community wanted to include pedophilia and that they made you know and and like that has happened nowhere like like literally no one ever and any official of any uh prominent gay organization never not one time but the fact that if you say it and people don't know then they might think Oh Jesus, they really are dirt bags, you know, or something. And, and so like, I remember hearing that. And I remember like telling my friends, like, look, when you hear this, this is what they're trying to do. This is not one. It's not true when you know, that's not true, but two, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to attach it to something that every person hates, right. Pedophilia Mm -hmm. and is against it. So, you know, well, the, the gays are aligned with the pedophiles. So they all have to go away. 
you know, and that's what they're trying to do. You know, and it, and it was just one of those things that I hear that with all sorts of narratives, like the, the uh, anti-gay perspective on it. Like, oh, there it is. I, uh, I I hear a lot that we're constantly suicidal, uh, yeah. that we have higher rates of addiction issue than other uh, niche communities. No, none of these things are true. We have as much as other mm-hmm. communities, uh, but we don't have any more or less than any other niche communities uh, and stuff. And For so, sure. uh, so uh, and I will admit this too. I think that queers in general have done a great job about getting out in front of recovery efforts for things like addiction. Absolutely. Uh, so many of my brothers and sisters in the eighties and nineties, uh, we leaned into a lot of self-medicating to get through a lot of grief yeah. from a lot of death that happened in our community uh, on top of each other. I mean, piled up on top of each other. Uh, uh, was it healthy? Absolutely not. Did it get us by? Yeah. yeah. It Maybe. Got us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. got us by <laughs> with parentheses around that, you know, yeah. getting by. Uh, my biggest thing as a 47, 50 year old gay man now and reacquainting myself with activism again is I do not want us culturalizing and, and institutionalizing those self-medication mechanisms, those coping mechanisms that were traumatic to help us get through trauma. I really want us to stop selling that down as culture to the younger generations. Uh, uh, I read a lot of, uh, pseudo life coaches in gay cis gay men a lot. I see a lot of this with, with uh, uh, lean into this type of body or this type of gym or this type yeah. of thing to become authentic, to be, right. an authentic, you know, this is, and, and here's what I want to, here's my hot take on that. Uh, every gay man should have a hot take on what it means to be their authentic selves. Yeah. That's just it. It's individual for each queer person. No one's going to be able to say this is the roadmap to living authentically for you out right. there. You got to figure that isn't, out for yourself. Isn't that funny that that uh, it's it's so counter to what being authentic is? You you, you want to be authentic, oh, but not like that. Not, not not like that. You have to be like this. You know, it's right. just it's ridiculous. You know, it really is. Does a disservice um, to the word. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Does a bit yeah. of a disservice to the word. Yeah. Living authentically, you, regardless of that's whether you're proud of being from the South or you're proud of being queer, being authentically you just means that. Being, right. And that's being true to yourself, being true to your boundaries, the things that you find interesting in life. Uh, Derek, how is the how how is activism growing for you? Let you take you've talked about the singlets in the first part of the interview. Yeah, uh, you have the, you have a couple of different singlets. One of them that caught my eye. It's my fave. It's black singlet trimmed in pink with a big pink triangle on it. Um, and you take the opportunity to actually stop and inform folks when they misinterpret that. And miss it, or uh, uh, they, they, it gets confused for the Lantern Corps a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really does. Uh, bless its heart uh, and stuff. But it wasn't uh, the the pink triangle was a symbol uh, uh, adhered. It was forced upon queer culture uh, by the Nazis uh, during World War II. We were queers were also part of the Holocaust, along with Jews and Roma Gypsies. Um, and so uh, it's something that I try to bring up during Holocaust awareness. 
conversations and things like that, that, that uh, people of religion weren't the only ones that were being subjugated and, and ostracized. Yeah, absolutely. You take the moment to wear that, wear it proudly and then talk to it in a very honest manner. Um, how did that come about? It's like, did you just decide to do that? Did you talk to your team about that? I mean, is it, you know? Uh, yeah, no, um, I really just kind of decided on my own. I mean, I was, uh, it was something that I thought, I don't know why I'm not doing this. And I, I had gotten to a point where I was really comfortable with uh, my queerness and, and I was out pretty much. And I thought, you know, there's an opportunity here for me to do something that, you know, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be traveling a lot and people are going to see me, they'll, they'll see this. And if you see it enough times, you might say, well, what, what the hell is that? What is that? Right. If you don't know. And then also I, I am always one of those guys. I mean, like I, I wear my, this is my proudest fuck hat that I wear to the gym all the time. I am, I'm, uh, I'm big on, uh, representation and I always have been, I always feel like one of the things that when I was younger, that I that I would have liked to have maybe a little bit more of was somebody out there saying, you know, in the same room or in the same high school or in the whatever that was like, yep, I'm just like you, or I got your back or, you know, you're not the only one here, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't want to get all sappy and say, maybe there's some kid out there who wants to be a pro wrestler someday, but he's also feeling that he is queer or whatever. And that he can't do that maybe if he sees people like myself and, and some of the other, this brand new crop of, of folks that he'll say, yeah, I guess it's okay. You know? Um, and I see that, you know, I always do that, you know, at the gym, you know, I, I'm a a pretty strong guy, you know, and, uh, you don't typically top of mind. A lot of folks don't think of guys that are built like me necessarily, or lifting the way I lift being gay. So it's like, you know, it's just a small little reminder. You, look, you're going to see me at this gym every day. You're going to see, and you're going to know that gay men can do whatever they want. And that means being a professional wrestler, or they can, you know, lifting really heavy, doing strongman competitions, all of that stuff. So it wasn't, it was just sort of a, all of those things are also me wrestling, lifting all of that and, and being gay and queer is also me. So I need to tie those all together. And I, and luckily I'm in a position where wrestling wise, I don't have a character that's something other than who I am. Like, like some people are, you know, so I, you know, I'm kind of the point now I just kind of do my own thing. And I think the, the, a lot of people get the pink triangle. Some don't necessarily get the black triangle singlet that I wear, uh, Mm. just because it, design wise, it just looks like a black triangle should go there, you know? So there's some of that, uh, the Lombada symbol gets, uh, nobody seems to get it. Why do you have an L on your chest? Are you a loser? Like what, like, what is it? And, but, but I do kind of like that because I'll get the opportunity to say, well, this is a, you know, this was a symbol used by gay liberation in the, in the late seventies. And, Oh, wow. I had no idea. And then some people will say right after that, Oh, are you gay? Which I, in a, in a lot of ways is, is, um, I take it as a compliment, I think, right. you know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, yeah. And then you just sort of see some wheels turning. Well, if that means this, then this means that, and this is, you know, and you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to say it's life changing for people, but it's at least an acknowledgement of, Hey, maybe things are a little different than I thought, you know? True. No, very true. 
what's what's up? What's coming up next for Derek Stone? Where can where can the gang find you? Hey, actually, the gang can find you August twenty seventh and twenty eighth, hovering yeah, around definitely. back alley Denver. We know that. Yeah, part. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, really looking forward to just meeting a lot of. You know, I just recently got back to Colorado. This is my Denver's my hometown, but I have I've kind of been away obviously for a long time, and uh, it'll be nice to kind of established with the community and meet some folks and i like leather and i you know all of that stuff so i mean it's gonna be fun um, and if you're out there if you happen to see this or people see it uh please come by and say hi I'll, uh i don't know what i'm gonna wear yet but uh you know you probably recognize he's me, so, he's yeah. hard to miss and go check out his instagram <laughs> you'll get a good idea what i'm talking about how tall are you Derek? i'm uh, i'm six one six one what are you packing for muscle i'm days? probably about uh Probably about two sixty five now. Two sixty five. Damn, you yeah. are a you are a substantial human being. You yeah you, <laughs> yeah. you your images are always fun too because you're always playing the crowd. You know, in, in a lot of these shots and uh and yeah, and, yeah. you you have a genuine uh, uh appeal. Uh, where are you going to be in the ring next? Anything local? So uh, I will. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, here and I work for a small company called Rocky Mountain Pro where I help with a lot of young guys and girls there. Uh, so I'll be there Thursday night. You can always catch them live on the Twitch app if you have it, which I think is really kind of cool. Um, also, I'm going to be going back to Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, St. Louis, and then Kansas City all within the next probably two weeks. So I'll be doing a little traveling. Yeah. Well, catch him out on the road then, gang. Derek Stone has been my exceptional guest today. Thank you, sir. I hope you come back and talk. To oh, us absolutely. Again. Anytime. I always have a great time talking to you. So this is, yeah, no, you, you are so special. Derek Stone, everybody check him out on Instagram. This is it for this interview, but he'll be back soon. So stay put gang. We'll be right back with more. Thank you for listening to the rocket review. If you would like to be a guest or have your adult industry business featured on TRR, please email rocket at therocketreview.com. TRR is a production of Hole Punch Media and is supported through corporate sponsorships and subscribers like you. Remember, gang, if you can't be good, be damn good at it.